Hey, everybody, welcome back to Big Apple Hockey, where we have another big show to do. We're going to do our midseason awards today, but we are also going to be a little bit shorthanded. I don't know. Did Anthony get a penalty last last Tuesday night or something? I mean, what happened with him? I don't know. Did he? I know. Maybe maybe it was two minutes for not back checking. So anyway, Ooh. here. Oh, Ooh. I am your host, Mark Williams. And I am joined by the host of the final buzzer, a Mr. John Falkowski. Oh, that was some scathing commentary there on Anthony, wasn't it? Oh, no. We, we, we only kid because we love. That's all. I mean, trust me. We love our Mr. LaRocco. We wish he was here with us. He will be here with you during the next Islander segment. And because he is still here within spirit. And also we have his commentary on the Islanders week. And we also... We were going to start with that, but we're going to start with the New York Rangers because that's why you got me and Phil here, not just for our looks, everybody. So you can always catch the final buzzer with John Falkowski whenever he can after Ranger games. Usually it's great talk. Uh, you guys were talking a lot about Timu Solani in the last edition. So Yeah, um, there was a Finnish takeover in the chat. Uh, the Twins uh, decided yeah. that they wanted to bring up a lot of the Finnish guys, so it ended up being uh, a lot. Uh, it was very Finn-centric. <laughs> and we, yeah but apparently we've we've been all swedish no finish there you go especially in new york i mean but and there's definitely that finnish guy that everybody's kind of waiting to explode although yeah. i do recall if we if we were all on consensus the best finnish player in the nfl and oh, i almost said the nfl the nhl mika rantanen correct mika rantanen. yeah and that guy is amazing you can look for my 60-second game reviews whenever I can as well, because sometimes the bar is busy. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be doing my 60-second game review for the New York Islanders and the New York Rangers from Buffalo. By the way, both teams, very interesting, because they got a big-time opponent on the schedule this week, Philk. But let's dive into the New York Rangers. New York Rangers, right now, third place in the Metropolitan Division, 57 points. Goal differential just keeps going up, plus 24 now. They... Go two and one this week. They lose the hapless Canadians uh, Sunday night. They must have been pissed they weren't watching the giant playoff game. That's why they weren't. Uh, they didn't really play so well. I'll give some credit to Montebo, I would say, possibly. But Philk, amazing against Dallas Stars. Rangers tie it with 0.9 seconds remaining. And now their next game is tomorrow night against the Boston Bruins. Are the Rangers ready for the Bruins? I uh, forgot about the Columbus Blue Jackets in there. Oh no, I said that they beat they beat oh, Columbus. That's right. Just, that's you right. Know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, my fault then. Well, I um, might have. I actually, I, I put it in the graphic. I might not. You put it in the graphic. I don't think you said anything though. All right. Well, yeah. do we really need to publicize that? <laughs> it's, it's like uh, I mean, it's, still, it's it's. I mean, it's it was a good win. Um, are the Rangers ready for the Bruins? You know what? This team plays down to competition, but they also play up to competition. And that's the one thing I've noticed about this team over the last few years between whether it was Quinn or whether it's been Gallant, they love to play down and they'll disappoint you, but they get up for big games like this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like they relish the challenge. And then they're like a, a kid with like an attention problem or something where they, they just lose focus completely and forget that they you know should be beating these teams and they don't give you the effort that they should against the lower level teams like a Montreal. And yeah, you know what? I'll I'll entertain the whole flu point to a, a certain extent, but you, you've got to show up to play. You've got mm -hmm. to show up to play. And if you're sick, if you're really sick, don't play then. 
let someone else play in your stead. So um, I, I really didn't care for the Montreal effort, but I, I liked how they rebounded against Columbus. And Dallas is a really good team. Dallas, Dallas has been fighting for that division. They were in the lead at, at one point. I think Winnipeg might have it back as at this moment. Tied right, tied right now. Yeah. So, but you, Dallas is a damn good team, and. Honestly, I would not be shocked if if Dallas made it out of the West this year with the way that they're playing. They're going to get Rupe Hints back, and they're going to be all right. And they're, they're probably going to make another acquisition at the deadline. So that was a big, big win for them. Even w- without Hints, Dallas still has a really good team. They shut down the Islanders the night before. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we were at that game. So, but uh, the Rangers – I, I think they are ready for the Bruins. I, I think they'll they'll rise to the challenge. They'll they'll play their asses off, and I, I think they'll show what they're made of. Uh, you you just you need Artemi Panarin to be the Artemi Panarin of 2020 and 2021 against this team, and this team needs to show up. Linus Allmark is beatable. He's very beatable. Seattle beat Boston in Boston in regulation and shut them out. They are human. They're playing like a wallet machine, but they're not a machine. They're a bunch of humans. They can be beaten. So uh, if the Rangers show up and they they give it everything that they have, they can absolutely beat this team, especially if Igor Shesterkin is on his game. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to this comment right here from Maddie. Panarin has to stop turning the puck over. Those mm-hmm. stupid little uh, right-hand, backhand passes to the middle that ends up leading the, the odd man rushes the other way, he cannot do that. He can't. It's got to stop. And yeah, I've said that before this season and it continues, but it, it, it can't happen tomorrow night against Boston. So um, I want to see more of this newly formed Heedle kravtsov Goudreau line because it looks pretty good. Um, I, I like the veteran presence with the two youngsters. And I really like what I'm seeing from Capo Caco, especially the play that he made uh, to get Zibanejad the puck on his goal. Yeah. What a play. I mean, Capo Caco, if that's not, if he's not brimming with confidence after seeing that, um, I don't know if he'll ever have the confidence to be a star player, but if, uh, uh, if, if he does the Michigan in the next game, then I'm really going to be surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, your boy has tried it a couple of times over the last season or so. So. And, and 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 each time he said it, I said he's brimming with confidence. He would never have tried that at, at all. I'll tell you what, uh, Kako on Sunday night, the one of the last saves Montebo had to make. It was a rebound. Kako nearly got him through the five hole on the rebound, but uh, he was able to shut the shut the pads off quite uh, correctly. And it's just you know, um, and quickly, but it's uh. When it comes to the Rangers, you're kind of seeing that they're missing a little bit of Chris Kreider. Hopefully he can come back. Uh, yeah, for the next game. Because Alexei Lafreniere has done a lot of good things on Power Play One. He is not Chris Kreider. And he's that's now I'm gonna use these words for Alexei Lafreniere. It is uh, it is obvious that he does have a lot that he has to learn. And yeah, like he had he had a he had a he had a tap pass, I think it was um down low he tipped it right back up to trocheck i want to say it was monday night that he did it against uh Columbus, the yeah. blue jackets but he he it looked great and it ended up becoming a save but that's the way you, you got to move the puck quick you got to be creative sometimes and now you do it this this kid can develop you know what now i'm i'm starting to doubt but it's 
it's all right. You look, you, you're going to have to play him and, and see what you got. But they are missing Chris Kreider and they yeah. do need him, him back. There is stuff that he brings. And, you know, uh, Sisterkin is starting to come around. I mean, the goals in the Montreal game, they, they were not easy, easy goals that, that he could have stopped. And obviously he didn't play Monday night. That was a lock. So a uh, good four days off for him. You know, clear your mind and get ready for the best team in the league. And they beat the Bruins, then maybe that'll bring the, the entire team's confidence up. Yeah, and I, I listen. Lafreniere is a, it's a confidence thing. It's a, it's confidence and it's coaching. I, I've said for years that this team has to be better with putting the kids in optimal positions to uh, succeed. So Lafreniere is also not that type of player, um, you know, to to be on the power play in that position. That's just not his role. You need to stop using him as a net front presence and a bumper. He can Agreed. Shoot. I would have used them on the Ryan Strom spot. Absolutely. So and that's that's what I call for, but I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, if you want Benny Trocek in that bumper spot as a net front presence, I think he's far better suited for that role. Uh, and, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna point to Gerard Gallant because I'm just questioning why he's he's doing these things with these players because he, it seems like he's trying to fit round pegs into square holes. It's obviously not working because the power play results have suffered greatly over the last, I would say, month or so. Yeah. They just have not been good for a while. Um, and speaking of which, put Keandre Miller on power play two, like yeah. right now, and take Jacob Truba off there permanently because Truba can't be on there anymore. And Miller's proven that he can move the puck a hell of a lot better than Jacob Truba ever could. Well, uh, here's a question I have to ask you on that, Phil. If he's good enough to be on the ice for a last-second ditch effort for a goal, why not power play two? And, and again, I look back to Gerard Gallant. Round peg, square hole syndrome. Why are we not utilizing someone like Keandre Miller to the best of his abilities? He's on. He's going to shatter his. He's already shattered his career highs in points. Mm. And he's he's. He's gonna he's gonna go far past. I mean, he's on pace for over forty points. That like it, it's funny because I was just saying to myself, would would the Rangers offer Keandre Miller something similar to what they gave Brady Shea in twenty eighteen, where it was a five year deal worth thirty one point two five million? I think it was thirty one point five million, and ended up being five point two five for per year for him. Yeah, because everybody was getting Tom Wilson money at that time. Yeah, I mean, but you gotta you gotta look at it this way, because I mean, if if they can't offer him eight eight forty eight with like six million per year, you know, because I I know that would be ideal for the Rangers. They would love to lock him down to that, and that would be an awesome awesome contract going forward. But you might have to bridge him and give him four and a half, or do you go five and five million or something like that? I I, I don't know, but. I think you have to bridge them. I think you have to bridge them and try to get just two more years out of it because the reason why you have to bridge them is obviously because 2024 is the big date. That's yeah. where you're probably going to see. We, we've been talking about this for years. Um, Jacob Truba is probably getting moved then, yep. and they're probably eating a lot of money out of him. And I don't you know, know maybe. Again, they, I'd probably have to, I would say they have to eat at least half that contract. In order to make I it don't work. think they'll have to eat half. I, I think they'll have to eat, uh, I would say, maybe 25% or so. I mean, then half. again, 
Eric Carlson's worth three first round draft picks, right, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That's funny. Joke. Yeah. Someone yeah, no, it's it, again, it's it's one of those things that and then you have to start thinking about Chris Kreider getting moved over. One of the things we did last week, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get your t- uh, take on Connor Bedard. Don't worry. We'll have plenty of times to do that during the season. Uh, Anthony, and I did uh, his press conferences. And even though I have to publish this video, too, you know, uh, another reason why the Rangers have to think about their prospects is Brendan Ottman's coming right up the up from everyone else. And they're yeah. not just going to throw him on the fourth line. When he's up, he's going to be a top six forward and he's already shown that he could do that. So the, uh, going, but going with what Truba and the contract situation is, they're going to need, they're going to need to figure this out because it's, 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 it'll open up more cap space to, to, to try to clear up Truba. Definitely. Uh, Kreider is a, maybe I'd say Kreider is more likely Either 2024 or the year after, I would say, that they would probably try to move him. Or who knows? Maybe they don't. But uh, also, Phil, this week, so the Rangers go and they get the Florida Panthers Monday. And uh, by the time we do our next show next Wednesday, Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be going to Toronto. Uh, you gotta, you got to like that the uptick in competition's in there because, you know what, you talked about it at the beginning of this, Phil. They play down the competition. You want to say it's from the DQ error or such? I could go all the way back to the Colin Campbell era. That I yeah, did. we could, we could. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I mean, we got to keep it relevant with the, the the members on the team. But yes, they the Rangers have historically played down the competition since yeah. Colin Campbell. Mike Keenan was the last one that made sure that they didn't do that, and everybody got the message after he benched Brian Leach when Terry Yake scored the hat trick uh, at MSG. I was about to say he, he did get beat by Anaheim at home, but yeah, yeah. Wow, Terry Ake. <laughs> There's a name that comes out of nowhere. I'll just mention Anatoly Seminoff. Right, so, Bobby Dolas. Yeah, Bobby Dolas. By the way, who um he scored two goals, one for the Ducks and one for St. Louis. I believe it was in the same building in successive years that he hit the back bar and it came out and play went on for ten minutes. And then they got the first whistle. They reviewed it, and then it, they called it a goal. So then oh, they had to replay like those ten minutes. That's like the double washout in Game Six in the '94 uh, Finals when Corey yes. when hit the back bar, came out. Rangers went down and scored. They wiped out the Ranger goal and gave Court on the goal that yeah. turned that game around. I believe that was Messier that scored that one. Yes. All right. So Phil, we're going to go to the New York Islanders, and we're going to play a little clip first. From our Mr. Anthony LaRocco, who has his thoughts on the Islanders this week. And we're going to be as quick as possible with our thoughts. A little bit of an interesting week. Uh, they dropped that game against Dallas that we were all at. Um, the next game against Minnesota, um, you know, that's a one nothing game. They, they were playing they were playing pretty well. Ilya Sorokin was, was outstanding. Um, then about seven minutes left in the first period, one nothing lead. They get a power play. Time to ice the game. Um, and they give up a shorthanded goal. It's just, it's just, you, you can't, you can't do that. Um, and not only that, but Sorokin made the save uh, upon further review. It was a goal, but my goodness, that save he made was was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I can't say enough about how good Ilya Sorokin has been for this team. Um, likely the reason why they're even, you know, close to a playoff spot right now. Uh, they're tied with Pittsburgh for the last wild card. Um, so he gets a lot of credit, but that was um, that was a tough loss. 
Uh, and then, you know, um, two minutes after that, they careless with the puck, and they lose the game 2-1. Um, and they wild added an empty net goal. But uh, you can't you can't lose a game like that. You just can't. Um, you know, and then they, they follow that game up with a win against Montreal, which, again, that's a team they should beat. Um, once again, Sorokin brought a shutout into the third. About six minutes left, he got scored on, but at least they held on and got the win. Um, and then the last game against Washington. I mean, I... Uh, to admittingly, um, I was at our, our cabin that we have with the family, so uh, I didn't watch the game, but I saw they were up 3 nothing, um, and they blew it. And to a team where if they would have won, they would beat only one point behind them for the first wildcard spot. So um, that's a game you can't lose. Uh, from what I understand, the game changed when Ovechkin put that borderline hit on Pajot, uh, which the referees reviewed and determined it wasn't a penalty. I mean, I think it could have been a charge. I think it could have been boarding. I think it's a little ridiculous that um, the refs did not feel it was a penalty there. Thankfully, Pajot was able to come back and, and return and play. But um, as much as a, I'm a huge fan of Ovechkin, everybody knows that. But um, I thought that should have been a penalty. Um, but again, from what I understand, uh, after that, the game tilted in Washington's favor. Um, and the Islanders just didn't have an answer for him. But you, you can't you can't give up a 3 nothing lead on, on home ice to a team you're battling with um, for a playoff spot. Um, and this is uncharacteristic of the Islanders. Uh, you know, leading up to the game against Minnesota where they lost the one nothing lead, prior to that, they were 12-1 or 15-1, something ridiculous like that, when leading after the second period. So you're talking two games, they, they gave away... They gave away leads, and you know, granted, a one nothing lead isn't you know anything insurmountable by any stretch of the imagination. But still, though, you know, when you're up, especially on a power play where you could ice the game, um, and you give up a shorthanded goal, it just takes all the wind out of your sails. So, um, you know, the Islanders are in it right now. We talked last week about their stretch. Um, you know, so far, you know, they let's see, they lost, they lost the game in overtime. They won against Montreal. Um, and they lost. Uh, to, sorry, they, they lost in overtime in Washington. Um, they lost to Minnesota in regulation, which hurt no points. And they beat Montreal. So um, you know, one, one, and one over the last three games. And now they got a tough, tough task with Boston tonight. Um, you know, the Boston best team in the league. I guess on the bright side of things, you know, the last time they played them, they brought them to a shootout in Boston. This time they're home. So hopefully, you know, obviously, that's on their side there, but. Boston's a very good team. The Islanders are going to have to bring their A game. Um, you know, like I said, they're tied with Pittsburgh for that last wild card spot, four points behind Washington for the first one. Um, so they really need this game tonight. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, if Pittsburgh were to lose to Ottawa and the Islanders would win, you know, they'd officially be in the last playoff spot. So um, points are crucial here. The Islanders need to get their act together. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about is, you know, the Islanders called up William DeFore today. And he was skating with Matt Barzell in the first line in practice. So um, a lot of Islander fans were excited about that. Um, you know, as we saw with William Dufour last year, uh, Dufour tore up uh, the Quebec Major. Yeah, and then it, it actually cuts out right there. So don't worry, we're back. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, by the way, and uh, one thing to extend from what Anthony's talking about with William Dufour, the Islanders need a shot in the arm. They really need one badly, and hopefully – he can be that for them. Islanders right now tied for fifth in the Metropolitan Division, 50 points, plus 12 goal differential. Filk, the Islanders, they're in the middle of that murderer's row. They got home for Boston at Buffalo, 
versus Carolina and then at Toronto, the next four games. Uh, we already talked about the last three games. Let me ask you this question, Phil. Did the Islanders waste this week? I'm going to say, yeah. Um, they had the games, uh, two games that they, they had that they should have won against both um, against both Minnesota and Washington. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that the Dallas game was a waste. I thought they played that game pretty hard, and they played good enough to win that game. But you can't blow leads in the third period like that, and especially giving up a shorthanded goal like they did to Minnesota. Like, dude, that's not good. That's not good at all. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that they did waste this week. Uh, thankfully for them, they're – in a real good position right now in terms of the, the standings, so that it, they're they're still right within it. But it's they have a tough stretch coming up, and they have a bunch of teams that are really going to give them a lot of trouble. So we're going to see what the Islanders are made of. And you're talking about shots in the arm, and yeah, the Islanders could use one of those right now. Is Dufour ready for that? I mean, it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid to just come in and be like, "Hey, we need you to be this shot in the arm." While we're in the middle of a playoff race, I mean, Pittsburgh's got two games at hand on them, and they both have 50 points. So that's that's tough because Pittsburgh doesn't seem to be going away, despite. Yeah, but they're not exactly taking off either. That's the other thing about Pittsburgh. No. That I mean, that's the good thing for the Islanders. Pittsburgh isn't taking off. They're kind of just they're going about their business and just teetering back and forth. It seems like when they take a step forward, they take a step back and they lose a game. So it's just they're playing 500. So, I mean, if the Islanders can play 550, 600 hockey, they can take that spot from Pittsburgh pretty easily. But, you know, the games at hand is is, is a problem. It's two games. And sometimes that, you know, depending on how late in season you are, that can be a decisive factor as to whether or not you make it. So Now, I, I do have to say one thing, and I watched this save live. And I said, oh, my God, I can't believe he made that save. And I know Anthony is still gushing about that save. But Sorokin did not make that save. It was a goal. And I actually thought you could carry the puck into the net. I didn't know it was. But what happened was I think his glove got caught on the post and the puck fluttered for a second, proving he didn't have control. So I think that's actually the reason why that was a goal. I mean, I can't believe Sorokin was even in that neighborhood. So let me first commend Ilya Sorokin on that. Going back to what you just said and Anthony said in the, in the recording, Brock Nelson, you can't turn the puck over there. You absolutely cannot turn the puck over there. Then it becomes a two on uh, a two on one. Oh, and there was a question whether or not there was an offsides on that play, but that was, that's a different story. And then shortly after that, bang, back of the net, 2-1, you lose 3-1 under the empty netter, and that's all she wrote. Number one, though, about this week, Phil, regardless of what you could say, and I, I, if it was the Rangers, I'd be hammering them, so it's the Islanders. I got to hammer them, too. And that's, you can't give the same situation the Rangers were in two weeks ago versus the New Jersey Devils. Can't give two points to your opponent. Nope. And you only get one back. And in the Islanders case, it's more important because they're trailing these teams. The Rangers right now are in a third, four points behind the devils. They'd be two points back. If not for, uh, or actually they'd be one point back. I mean, if, it, if it's multiple loss. point swings, multiple point swings against divisional rivals, teams that you're, 
And it, 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 it's even not just teams that you're you're facing in your division. It, it, it's you know playoff teams too, like the teams that you're facing that are in that playoff race. It, that's a multiple point swing too. But it just happens to be that the two teams that they're chasing are also in their division. So it's a triple whammy. Yeah. So we're gonna move. We're gonna move on from the Islanders. Just one last question for them, because Phil, um, the way Ilya Sorokin's playing, he kind of reminds me of well, first uh, Henrik Lundqvist for the last t- uh, for the previous ten years of his career, having these great stats and then an okay record because of poor offense from his team. Then another New York athlete got that moniker, and I have to ask you this question. Is Ilya Sorokin right now the new Jacob deGrom? I don't think he's at that level yet. Jacob deGrom was posting uh, absolutely absurd numbers when he was healthy with the Mets. Um, So um, Sorokin's been very good. I I don't think he wins the the Bezina this year. So Mm -hmm. um, that that just – that's it. deGrom – was a, a, a lot to be <clears throat> a Cy Young finalist at the very least. Uh, and when he was in, I don't, I think Sorokin will be a finalist, but I don't think he'll be a winner. So. Yeah. It's almost the same way that I categorized it with the Kale McCarr thing last year, where I was like, Kale McCarr is going to win a Norris trophy. Just, <laughs> uh, just, just give it to him when he is the best defenseman. I still think Roman Yossi should have won it last year. Because uh, it's if you're going to compare defensive games, I I, heard, I just watched a video recently where somebody said best overall defenseman, and they just gave it to McCarr. I'm like, no, you could have given it to Yossi one more time. Yeah. McCarr's going to get his. Because whenever anybody talks about those awards or anything, I can't help but point out who was like the best defenseman you remember over the last 20 years. Oh, that's right, Shea Weber. How many Norris's? There you go. But uh, again, so back to this with Sorokin. He's doing great. You look at those other numbers, but 15, 14, and three. New York Islanders, you have to get him more goals. So, guys, what do you think about the Rangers and the Islanders this week? Throw it all down in the comments below. And uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully the uh, the teams get a couple more wins. The Rangers need to make a statement tomorrow night, I think, against the Bruins, and the Islanders desperately need points. But before we completely switch and go over to our midseason awards, Philk, uh, last night – it was Pride Night in Philadelphia, and Ivan Provorov abstains from warm-ups because he doesn't want to wear the Pride uh, Night warm-up jersey. Now, he's been getting bombarded on Twitter, and uh, other people have been kind of backing him up. I just watched a, a, a video about his refusal to, to wear it. Uh, I've, I've grown up in theater my my entire life uh but i still i actually i have no opinion on this whatsoever because different cultures have different ideas and ideals and i can't judge him based on mine so he he says he's russian orthodox he has he has to do it for religiously reasons what's your thoughts on this i'm not a religious person i i fully support the lgbtq community um but it's gotten to a point where now it feels like it's being forced and it feels like a hollow gesture at this point. I I like the whole tape on the stick thing. And Mm -hmm. I personally, I would wear the Jersey, but I I think if we're going to force people to do it, then why, why would that be 
or how would that be helpful rather? I was in a thread on Twitter earlier on and I saw, you know, a, a gay male who came out and said that, you know, he, he wasn't hurt by Provorov, but the Flyers organization for, you know, participating in Pride Night when not everyone on the team was supporting it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I understand that. And I, I actually do understand that. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, with that said, I, I think, I think there needs to become a point where we need to take politics out of sports. And I, I think the jerseys is, is a bit much. I, I, like I said, I would personally do it, but there might be other re- people who may not agree with it and they may not want to do that as Provorov, for example. But I, I think at a certain point, if we're going to start forcing people to do this, it's a slippery slope. And to me, it doesn't make sense because now you're going to involve the players union and the players union is legally going to back the player. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, it becomes a bigger ordeal than really has to be. And I'm not trying to demean the situation by saying that, but we could just have them do tape like they were doing previously, do promotions, do other forms of uh, of support and whether it's handing out stickers, having booths in you know in the arena, you know, uh, memorabilia, uh, just you know, readings, literature, groups. We could do all sorts of other things, but I mean, I, I think it would just be best to let the players just go about playing the game, and then if you know they want to do you know support in the communities. I think that would be the best way to do it if they yeah. want to go because wearing a jersey for 15 minutes and a warm up says what? Okay, oh, it says absolutely nothing. They just want to sell that jersey, and that to, to me, that's what I think it is. I, I I think the NHL just wants to sell more jerseys. They want an excuse to have another jersey out there that they could sell, and they're just it's cash cow. And you know what? We saw this with the with with the Black Lives Matter. You know. Uh, with that, with the ordeal with that, and just how you know certain teams didn't or certain players didn't want to stand up and, and whatnot, and it became an issue. And I, I just think if that if you separate the game itself from the movements, and you just let let these players do things on the side if they want to help out, then great, then great. But I, I just I listen. I, I'm not religious, and I don't agree with Provov. I don't. I, I, I think that religion has often been used as an excuse to um, kind of not, not necessarily promote, um, you know, homophobia, but kind of to to ease. I, I, how do I, I don't know how to word this properly. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been used as a crutch. We'll just use it as, it's yes, used as a yes. crutch. Yeah, because so, I, I, I'm not saying that they're promoting it that way, but again, it, it's it, it's been used as a crutch. So that's what I I, I think. And I, again, I'm not a religious person, and I think that needs to change. And I think if you are a religious person, unless you're super devout, then I I don't think there's a reason why you can't you know support the people that you claim to care about. That's just me, and I, I think that religions need to to move on from 
just well, it's, it's it, thousands of year old year old doctrine it, exactly it's it, it's it's antiquated it's an antiquated way of life and and a state of mind so um i i just think that we need to kind of separate things here and religions need to to change their ideals because if if they think that you know these people are quote unquote sinners then what does that say about what you're preaching or doesn't say a lot or uh hell my lifestyle isn't exactly uh the most and i and i was roman catholic so i I was raised roman catholic too and i and i i just denounced everything so for my own but i do i do have to kind of first off let me commend john tortorella for not throwing his player under the bus and the flyers uh also the players because it would have been very easy but phil this is also a problem you have when you have a global game you get if if this was soccer and they had uh let's just say a foreign player i won't say any countries or anything but that doesn't have progressive lbt uh, lbgtq uh ideals I mean, would it be the same situation as, as what's going on? And that's, that's that's kind of where I'm just trying to just vaguely say it. And I think it's and I think it's just look if this is what Provorov believes, that's what it is. First off, how did nobody check with him? And I I doubt this is the first night that they had this. So how did nobody uh, just, just yeah? And they and apparently supposedly he didn't put the tape on last year when they was just the tape and the warmups. And I, I listen, I like that. I think that's cool. If you want to put the tape on when on your stick in the warmups, you want to even put the tape on in the games. I think that's cool. Whatever. But you know what? It, it just I, I think that there's it's a real slippery slope with a lot of gray area here, and I, I just think that just to look at it as a black and white issue is mm-hmm. I just think that's closed minded. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a disingenuous point of view. Like you're not, you're not taking in everything. There's a lot of context to be had here. And again, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with him. Yeah. I, I support everyone. I support it fully. I would wear the Jersey if I was him, but again, I'm not him. I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't agree with that. It's just, I think this is why we need to we need to step back from this and we need to step back from politics and sports. I think there needs to be some sort of just separation between the two, because now the NHLPA is going to get involved and now it's going to become a huge, huge issue. And I I think it just causes more problems than it does anything when when you have an issue like that. And it's just listen show support but there are other ways that support can be shown and i don't think it needs to be forced on everyone because if you're forcing it then it's not genuine yeah that's that's a problem i have too yeah and i I think anyone from the lgbtq community would tell you that if this that that if the support is not genuine then why do it because it's nothing but lip service at that point and it's nothing but cash cow yeah nothing but a cash cow because, look, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I guarantee there's a gay player in the NHL right now, if not several. Um, oh, there are several. There, There's definitely several. Hockey is for everyone. We've known this for a long time. And it's a great game. You know, you just – and then that's where, you know, stuff like this just – I'm just going to sum it up right there because I'm even kind of tired of talking about this. I want to get back to talking about hockey because yeah, that's what you're right about it. When, when 
Because now we step back from that and then politics gets right back in there and keep politics out of sports as best you can. I mean, then, but then again, just to say this also, there was a picture for the, uh, uh, I think it was the 1947 uh, Brooklyn Dodgers that wouldn't face the camera and he faced away in protest in the team photo because they had Jackie Robinson on the team. He would then be later traded to Pittsburgh and basically never heard from him ever again. So either you could progress also and you're going to be doomed in, in history if, if you don't. But again, everything all within reason, obviously. It's just, it's a can of worms. It's a can of worms that did not need to be opened. All right. Taking a beat, everybody. And now we're going to shift over to our midseason awards because, well, it is the midseason and there are NHL awards at the end of it. So we're going to be talking about some of the midseason awards that are coming up right now. And let's start with Filk. Who is your Calder Trophy winner? I'm going to say Matty Beniers right now. Um, I know that some people will take a look at Logan Thompson and how what he's doing with the Vegas Golden Knights, but I, I think that um, Logan Thompson's got a really, really good team in front of him. And, I, and I'm not taking anything away from Logan Thompson, but Matty Beniers is a big part as to why Seattle is playing as well as he is. He's not far off from being a point per game as – Technically, an NHL rookie, he's got 36, 17 goals and 36 points in 44 games for a team that's trying to fight for that division. And they are only two points behind Vegas. So, I mean, they're tied with Los Angeles, but they got two games in hand. I, I like Beneers. I, I love Beneers, and that that's it. And I'm so, surprised because the guy that said in our season preview, Mr. Anthony LaRocco, that Matty Beneers was going to be his guy. He, I got his answers right over here. We're going to have the graphic at the end of it uh, to recap all of ours when we do the shortened uh, cut. But he's got Logan Thompson, and to be honest with you, Phil, so do I. He has been absolutely outstanding. I mean, it could be Matty Beneers when it, when the season's up. I am. I was this close to saying Matty Beneers myself, uh, but I really like what Logan Thompson's been doing. That goals against is still a little bit high. And yes, coaching has got a lot to do with it. But, you know, he, he's done a heck of a job, especially with what's going on in Vegas and them not having the number one goalie. We'll probably talk about that situation after bar talk. But, I mean, Phil, there's, there's so much that could have gone wrong. He has been a very stable force. And thank you for my fantasy team, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Phil. Norris Trophy. Uh, let me just read you off. Anthony's, he's got Eric Carlson of the San Jose Sharks. How about you? I've got Adam Fox. Uh, and, and I was on him earlier on in the year. But uh, I got to tell you, the way that he's improved his game and picked up his game big time over the last, I would say, month or so, I just, he's just so much better. And, and the analytics wise, he's top five or so in almost all the analytics defensively and offensively. I mean, if anybody's watched um, Gravity's video, Nathan on uh, Sportsnet, I tell you, he makes an excellent, excellent case for Adam Fox when guys like Carlson, who who's just not been good defensively, he put, yes, the points are incredible, but Carlson's defensive game is just horrendous. And, 
And you could just, oh, you want to point the bad team? This has always been Eric Carlson. Even mm-hmm. in Ottawa, in his prime days when he was winning Norris's, he was bad defensively and great offensively with the puck. And that was part of why he won those Norris trophies was because he could control the game by having the puck and mm-hmm. basically running the entire game through him because he had the puck when he was on the ice. So um, I, I, I've got to go with Fox. Um, I would actually give it to Morrissey or Darlene before I gave it to Carlson. Uh, I was tempted to say Rasmus Darlene just for the sake of um, giving some different uh, answers. And, but I, and, and Josh Morrissey is high on my list as well. But no, I agree. I agree. It's Adam Fox. It's hands down Adam Fox this year. Uh, I I think he just he just dominates the play almost without any real physical presence. Like he's he just does he's not so physical well. at all. Yeah, I mean he just picks the puck off from people, says thank you, I'll take that, goes the other way all the time. So all right, and we're gonna go to the Vesna Trophy and. You know, I think we're all going to say the same the same answer. Anthony and I both say this. Filk, take it away. Who was the Vesna Trophy winner? It's got to be Linus Allmark. It's just he's just been that good. He 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 leads in basically almost every goaltending stat there is. Um, the numbers look like a video game almost. And uh, yeah, he's playing behind a great team, but. He he just yeah I, I think he's just been that good, and I I don't see anyone else taking it from him unless he absolutely falls off in the second half of the season. So, I mean, Philk, I would agree with everybody if they wanted to say anyone else but Linus Olmark. He's got a nine thirty six save percentage. Nine thirty six save percentage, and I think he's got a like a sub one nine goals against. Yeah, it's a one nine two. One nine two. Now it was like one eight eight before. Yeah, uh, well, he's had a couple bad games, but yeah, yeah a couple bad of bad games. He gave up three goals. One nine two. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, that's uh, those were similar numbers. To what Ilya? Uh, sorry, Igor Sorokin. I almost said Ilya Sorokin. Yeah, uh, Igor Sorokin was putting yeah. up last year. Yeah, I did actually. I did mess it up. All right, you you messed it up twice. I messed it up twice. Um, but Igor Sturkin was putting up those numbers last year, but the difference was the Rangers weren't a well-oiled machine. The Bruins are. I guess that's the only reason why everybody's still looking over going, nah, it can't possibly be Allmark. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And he has done a great job with this. All right. Speaking about coaches that have done great jobs, one of those is the Boston Bruins coach. And Philk, Anthony has said, Jim Montgomery is his coach of the year. Is he yours? Yeah, and it's really close for me because the other guy that I would actually give it to um, would be the guy who we took over for, Bruce Cassidy. Because I think <laughs> Bruce Cassidy's done a hell of a job in, in Vegas. Um, I have Peter DeBoer as my other runner-up in Dallas because I think he's just doing – his old, you know, first year magic thing. We'll see what happens in year two and year three, because he seems to get fired by year three, just because. <laughs> but um, that's usually my my yeah. Uh, analysis. Yeah, but I mean, I, yeah, Peter DeBoer is having a real good year. Those would be my top three, but I, I got to give it to 
to to Montgomery right now because he endured Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand and David Krejci all being out at various points um, during the year at the towards like the beginning of the year. Marchand was out for a bit. McAvoy was out for a bit. I know Krejci's was brief, but I mean he he dealt with some injury issues and. When you looked at this team on paper before the start of the season, didn't look like a great team. And now Pavel Zaka, who's having a career year, uh, Montgomery gets this out of Pavel Zaka, who was a devil's bust. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden he's you know producing well. He just gets a a new um, a new contract extension worth like four and a half million a year, somewhere in that range. Pavel Zaka, I think it was the other day. But, yeah, I, I got to give it to Montgomery. And you know what? It's a feel-good story knowing what he's done with, uh, you know, what he's been through, I should say, with this substance abuse. And um, good for Jim Montgomery. The Bruins are playing like an absolute wagon right now. So, um, great on Montgomery. I, I just I can't see anyone else taking it from him at this point. See, now I have to make the case because you have – you have usually in this situation, uh, this is sort of like um, when, uh, oh my God, the Tampa coach, I forgot, uh, John Cooper. When John Cooper was running that well-oiled machine in 2019, yeah. and you're looking at them going, they're going to blow the doors off of everyone in the playoffs. And then the wheels fell off the cart. I mean, that year they had the MVP. They had uh, the best goaltender. I'm not sure if that was Hedman's first Norris trophy, but it was up there. I mean, they they had everything going. And then you have to go, all right, well, I got to give it to the coach in that one. But then you get that scrappy underdog team that everybody counted out. And then that coach leads this team. And that's why mine's Dave Haxtell right now, who I can't believe I'm even saying. That's a good one. That's a real good one. I, I would, you know what? I kind of forgot about him. But that's a real good one. Right. Like Dave Haxtell, though. I mean, how is team... he getting that out of this group? With when that group has a goaltenders with the numbers that they're putting up. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, how? You looked at him in Philadelphia, and he, you, the basic thing we said watching him uh, and just as fans and as people was maybe his first year, they were good. The second year, you're like, this guy is just a college coach. That's all he's ever going to be. He goes to the Maple Leafs. He's an assistant coach for a little bit. It's clear he learned something because he knows what he's – he's definitely more prepared for the games now and his team's more prepared and he he knows what it's like to coach professional players. He's done a great job. I And uh, I know Anthony had him as one of his runners-up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think – oh, yeah, you had Pete DeBoer. Well, I mean, your, your guys that you have right there, uh, Montgomery – Winner, runner-up Cassidy, and uh, and Pete DeBoer. Those are, those are three quality jobs that these guys have done. And Ariana actually brought up a good one here. Bonus. Rick Bonus. Bonus is another one. I was ready another to put one. Bonus in there. Yeah. he. I, I think he, to me, he's further down. I, I But I, he's done a real good job with that team. But, I mean, to me, and looking at Haxtell, I, I think I would probably have to bump him ahead of DeBoer now because look at the numbers – on Seattle's goaltenders. Martin Jones, 21, 5, and 3. 
with an 895 save percentage. And it's 276 against in 31 games played. Oh, and you, you, maybe the backup's going to be better, right? Yeah, 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 right. The backup who was a Vesna Trophy finalist two years ago. Yeah, and, and the backup has played 15 games, gone 14 uh, – four, I'm sorry, he's gone four, uh, 14 games started, 4-8-1, and, and he has a save percentage of 888, which is just oh brilliant, and a goals against a 337. That would be acceptable in the 80s and nowhere else. Maybe yeah. the 70s. But, yeah. I, I mean, mean, how is that team winning with that group and those goaltenders? Like, it's just, this is an anomaly. Okay. You can't have goaltending that bad and still be winning games. But yet Seattle is. They're well, fighting for a division. And, and Phil, we're going to be talking about Seattle and the Pacific Division soon enough. But also another team we're going to talk about in Bar Talk. Right now, the Florida Panthers would kill to have goaltenders with those stats. Yeah, the, the Florida Panthers just, oh, I mean, yeah. Sergey Bobrovsky, it seems like every game I watch with Bobrovsky, he's fighting the puck off. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand how this guy is this bad. 325 goals against, 897 save percentage, 12, 13, and two. Horrendous. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. That's and, and you figured that, you know, it would be better again. With the backup, the backup hasn't even been that good. Spencer Knight, 906 save percentage. Okay, that's meh. Uh, just above average. 305 goals against. <laughs> 18 games started, 9-7-3. and three. That is absolutely just horrendous, to say the least. That's the best way to even describe it. Because you know what? And when you get goaltenders with that bad of performances, you better hope that you're getting great star production. And one goaltender we didn't mention, by the way, Jake Ottinger has, done, has, has had a pretty good season, but he's tapered off a little bit. So if you need your stars to produce, who is your MVP for this season? And you and Anthony both have the same answer. I'm begrudgingly going to say a different one. I'll say mine first. I'm going to say Tage Thompson. I said it two weeks ago. Now he's in a five game goalless streak, but he has been carrying the Buffalo Sabres. They have no business being anywhere near a playoff spot. They're still way behind, but still, I mean, they have Craig Anderson, who's practically my age to, to in net. And he's had a Renaissance season. I credit him for everything. But as far as but as far as he goes, he has been he has just put the Buffalo Sabres on his back, and he doesn't have a Leon Dreisaitl with him. He doesn't have a Joe Pavelski and a Rupe Hintz. I mean, Dylan Cousins, okay, that's still not anywhere near those those neighborhoods. And yes, he's the breakout player of the year. If we were going to actually say that, even though he broke out last year, you could argue. So, Filk, say the more obvious answer. You and Anthony both have. All right, I'm gonna before I even say my answer, and I think everybody knows what my answer is already without even saying it. But if Tage Thompson and the Buffalo Sabres make the playoffs, he wins it, and he yeah. should win it at that point. And I, I, unless, unless my vote, 
I'm sorry. I just saw this comment and I just got distracted. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I know show tunes doesn't make me 65. Oh my God. Amazing. But um, unless Connor McDavid, who was my pick, scores 60 plus goals and 150 points, which is possible, actually possible. Um, then yeah, uh, Tage Thompson should win it if the Sabres make the playoffs, but they're not going to, right? I don't think they're going to either. I just don't think they're there yet. But Tage Thompson is having one of the better seasons out of any player I've seen on a team that's going to miss the playoffs in in a long time. So, um, but McDavid, uh, just became the fifth fastest player in NHL history to 500 assists. He actually beat Crosby by about almost 30 games in doing so. 525 to 554 to Crosby. Um, and the only guys that are ahead of Connor McDavid to get to that mark, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Peter Stastny, and Bobby Orr. Gretzky in 352 games. Lemieux in 433, Peter Stastny 507, and Bobby Orr in 522. So Peter Stastny does not get his. No, his he doesn't. But he was he was incredible. He was probably one of the, I would say, five to ten best players of the 80s. Second most points by an unsigned, uh, by by an undrafted player. Exactly. I'm sorry, second most. It's undrafted. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got more points than Marty St. Louis, who won an MVP, and deservedly so. Po- no, no, I th- is Adam Oates have more points or less points than him? Ooh, that's a good question. I think he does. I think Adam, Adam Oates is the uh, the second highest out of an undrafted player. I think well, it's, it's Oates. Phil, while you're looking that up for us, we'll do this one. Anthony says it, it's Adam Oates. It is Adam Oates. Yeah. And by the way, deservedly so. Adam Adam Oates quietly a great career. Oh, not if you watched him. You watched him. You knew who he was. He uh, but Anthony player. has Dallas player. versus Carolina in the Stanley Cup Finals right now. I would say Dallas versus the Bruins as of right now because the Bruins just don't look like they have weaknesses. What is your midseason Stanley Cup Finals? And by the way, Anthony says Dallas. I can't seven. even believe I'm going to say this. Uh, but I, I, I think I might have to go with a repeat matchup of Dallas and Tampa. Wow. All right. I, it's something about Tampa, just the way that they're coming on right now and, and the way that they're playing. And the fact that I think that they're going to make moves of the deadline and they just, they just can't count them out. And you've got the best playoff goaltender there is in recent memory and, and, Andre Vasilevsky and the probably the best one since Wa, if you ask me. So um, I, I just I, I can't count Tampa out, especially if they can go get a defenseman and one other like middle six player to, to add to their or you know maybe a guy that you can add to the top six. Just they just still have a lot of depth, and they've got players that are going to step up. I just. I'm I'm gonna go with with Dallas and Tampa. So if it's Tampa, 
And judging by the amount of a gap Boston has in the division for the lead so far, and that they look like they're going to shatter the president's trophy. This means you have Tampa beating Toronto in the first round, correct? That's what it seems like. (laughs) Toronto, I don't think Toronto is winning in the – Unless they go and they get serious about getting a, a you know a legitimate defenseman on a goaltender, I, I just don't think that they're beating anybody in the first round. Well, I mean, there's they're gonna they're gonna have to figure out how to upgrade that team because they even look good, and you're still looking at them and saying, "That's great, Tampa and six. Yeah, like, cool, and, cool story, bro. Tampa and yeah. six. And it's also, by the way, Philk, another thing going over to McDavid. If McDavid finishes outside the playoffs, which is very possible, can he still win the MVP? I all right. So the last, the last regular season leading scorer, the last scoring trophy winner, the uh, last Art Ross and Rocket Richard winner, funny enough, to miss the playoffs was Jerome McGinley in two thousand two. So Aginla, Aginla won it, and he was playing on a line with Craig Conroy as his center, which is just crazy, the fact that he put up 52 goals and 96 points in one of the worst scoring years in a long time with a guy who probably should have been playing on their third line as a first-line center. But Aginla, had he made the playoffs, I believe Aginla would have won the MVP. He would have won the heart had not it, had they had, had Calgary make the playoffs. So – it's a little different because McDavid is on pace to do something that the last player to do was Mario Lemieux. Mm-hmm. So uh, even if he finishes with 140 points, he would be the first player since Lemieux, Oates, and LaFontaine, who were the top three scorers in 1993, to, to, to break the 140-point mark. So for, for me – I think McDavid could still win it without making the playoffs. And I mean, I, I don't remember the last MVP to, to not make the playoffs that you, we may have to go back to the original six yeah. era for that. Cause I'm thinking if I'm correct, by the way, 1994, I think Gretzky won the scoring title, but he didn't, he didn't win the MVP. Fedorov yeah. won the MVP. He won the, oh, he won the heart and the Selkie. Cause he had it. He had 56 goals and 120 points won the heart and the Selkie, and he's the only player to do all that in the same season. I was about to say, because you love that statistic. I, I know you love the it, it, it's, one. It's one of the most complete seasons we'll ever see. Well, we're going to see more complete stuff in just a moment. We're going to skip ahead, everybody, because it's time to do a little Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk. Shot. This is the easiest I've ever had to answer. Let me say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice to drink. Are you so confident that you're going to buy everybody around? I so so. I'll take a beer. Oh, my God. Just I'll take a shot. Um. So play along in the comments down below and don't worry. There are still trucker hats that are available. I have to get some more because I were going to donate uh, some for uh, some watch parties. See if that happens. Doesn't mean, and if you guys, yeah, you know what? They're, they're good looking hats. Come on. Uh, they make, make me order more. So uh, Philk, 
This offseason, the New York Rangers are going to have five RFAs. Philip Hedl, Alexa Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, Vitaly Kratsov, and Libor Hayek. Although the last guy, I have no idea who he is. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, the New York Rangers should trade one of their potential RFAs by the trade deadline. Shot. This is a layup. No, you don't. I mean, unless oh, that's easy Libor I, I, Listen, I, I would say yes to Libor Hayek, but who the hell is trading for Libor Hayek at this point? So, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know how you trade any of these guys at this point. Unless Alexi Lafreniere ends up, unless it ends up being for someone elite that's young, uh, and then maybe you consider moving Lafreniere, but this is a shot for me. Uh, I think Alexa Lafreniere would be more of an off-season trade. Uh, yeah, I, I, could I, cheat, I could cheat on this and say it's uh, Libor Hayek is the guy that would then get traded, but we're not going to, yeah, you know what? I keep forgetting to count Zach Jones in a lot of this, but uh, Philk, I'm only going to go beer for one reason. And that only reason is if a team, if the Rangers feel like they're in they're they're in it and they feel like, and even though he's played well, like we've been talking about upgrading for Philip Hedl, if there's a chance of going for Ryan O'Reilly or maybe even another center, I don't think Bull Horvat's in the mix that then you'd have to look at that. But uh, I think it, they, I think they'd probably end up standing pat. By the way, speaking about teams that should stand pat, the New York Islanders should stand pat at the trade deadline. I'm going to say shot for this. I think they need a score. They they absolutely need a score. Um, wouldn't hurt to add a deaf defenseman to improve over someone like Sebastian Ajo. Um, but, uh, yeah, this has absolutely got to be a shot. Whether or not they actually will, or whether or not they actually will make a move or not, is a different story because knowing Lou Lamorello, Lou Lamorello doesn't seem to like to make the big move. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though he yeah, has in the past, that's what's funny. What's that? Even though he has in the past, that's what's funny because he's he's gone for Alexander McGillany and Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, that's a long, long time ago though. McGillany was pre-cap. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I again, this is a shot for me. I'm only going to go beer for this. It depends on where their playoff seating is. If they find themselves out, we'll say four or more points out of the playoffs. He's not going to go get a big score. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he wants to. All right, so me. hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it going to be should or are they now that you're saying that? Ooh, that's actually a good question. Um, because if you're, now you changed around on me. Now you change around the parameters. Because I am, you're, 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 the way you're saying it, you worded as the Islanders should stand pat. Then you answered it, are they going to stand pat? See, this is what happens when they don't correct my notes during uh, during the rundown. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Um, let's, say, let's say the Islanders will stay pat, uh, stand pat. How about that one? Okay, so... I'm going to say beer for that then. Okay. Because I think they are going to end up standing back. And I think there is an outside shot that they can go and make a smaller move. And I'll, I'll say sand pat because to me, standing pat would be either making a very small tweak or doing nothing. 
yeah. you know, going for it would be making the big or a moderately sized move. Well, then, yes. Yeah, so, and now you know my answer. I think they're going to actually stand pat because, look, if they're too far out, there's no sense for Timo Meyer it, or, yeah. or Vladimir Tarasenko. Because, uh, by the way, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they win those two games in the hand, and, and then the Islanders' hole gets a lot bigger. I wouldn't exactly try to rush it. We do know Tarasenko is interested in coming to the Islanders, and you could try to get him in the offseason without having to part with a player. So why not do that? Philip, we talked about the Philadelphia Flyers uh, before, and the Flyers, do you realize they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games? They got 45 points. They're five points out of the playoffs. That is unbelievable for a team that we just said was going to be a doormat. Speaking of guys that could you could argue coach of the year, I'm pretty sure John Tortorella could get some votes. But the but the Flyers are playing themselves out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Uh, round another layup. I mean, when you go eight and two in your last ten, yeah, you're you're pretty much playing yourself out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And knowing John Tortorella and knowing how proud of a person he is, he doesn't not want to be even. He doesn't want any type of remote link with the name Connor Bedard at this point. He does not want to be a last place team. He wants to keep his job. And part of, you know, part of the problem with, you know, bringing in a guy like that is he's going to get the best out of a group like this. He turned mm-hmm. Columbus into a contender when they didn't have a great roster. And then, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky was playing well but as well. But, I mean, Tortorella is going to make you play. He's going to make you work. You are going to hustle in practice. Or if you're Bobby Sanguinetti, you're going to throw up in practice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But Tortorella's not going to let them get Bedard. Yeah. And then that, that was, to me, the Flyers, They I thought that they would be so bad just because the the roster and then the injuries that they were having on top of that. But no, they they've actually – They've played better than the sum of their parts. So, yeah. And I got to agree with you on that one. And this is an easy round because, also, by the way, you should play yourself out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Teams are not made to say, all right, we're going to try to lose. Organizations could set themselves up like that, but the teams are going to try to win. And there's always a winner in every NHL game, unlike there was uh, almost 20 years ago. But it's. Now, you, you can't have an organization philosophy of it's okay, we'll lose. Because then you're going to be stuck in a perpetual rebuild. And how's that going, Arizona Coyotes? So even though they've been playing well too, Phil, that's another team that's, that, that was playing pretty good. But fortunately, they're not playing themselves out of their sweepstakes too. By the way, there's the wild card standings right now, the wild card too. Pittsburgh technically in sole possession right now because they got two games in hand. The Islanders also with 50 points. Right behind them, the Florida Panthers and Filk. Florida Panthers will be in a playoff spot before March. I'm going to say Beard. I, I, I don't, again, I don't trust the goaltending, but when you have a Selkie caliber player in Alexander Barkov that is just absolutely playing out of this world two way hockey right now, Matthew Kachuk has been everything that they've wanted. I mean, they're they're getting a lot out of a real bad defense too, so um, I, I I I can't say that it's not possible. But I mean, if we're if we're talking, all right. So I got to ask again: 
parameters on this will be. So are we talking that they'll have it for a little bit of time or they're just going to be in it, in it. So, so they could tie it. They could be in the slot. And it, and it could be for like a day and it doesn't. And then that's it. A day. And then they could drop out. Uh, I'm going to stick with beer, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I just, they, Florida needs depth. They need scoring depth. It looks like they've lost a bit of it. And you know, that, that happens mm-hmm. um, when you deal a guy like Jonathan Huberdeau, who was really good with your best center, but now Alex. And you Martin, lose a guy like Anthony Duclair. Duclair. Yeah. That, that hasn't helped them either. Um, but you know what? I, I'm not going to count them out, but at the same time, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But yeah, they'll they'll teeter in and out of maybe wild card too. I'm going to go shot, and the reason why for that is it stands on your on your thing. It's just because you know you hit the nail on the head earlier. Consistency. How is Sergey Bobrovsky this bad? And he's just he's just awful. Absolutely awful. Spencer Knight, better, but not by much. And dealing with an injury right now, Florida actually is going to get the Islanders. Oh, they get the Rangers next week. Uh, I think they get the Islanders soon, too. And, you know, I just, I know they're going to hit a soft spot in their schedule and get up there. But again, as much as the Pittsburgh Penguins are struggling, I, I, I can't see Sidney Crosby struggling for that much longer. And the gap between the Penguins and the Capitals are even worse. So it's, I think it's going to be five metric, in fact, five metropolitan teams going to the playoffs. It's just going to be that simple with that. Yeah. What Crosby is doing is just 49 points in 43 games. I mean, he, and this is with him cooling off a little bit lately, but I mean, he's just still incredible at 35 going on 36 years old. Yeah. And, and for anybody that might want to complain about it, I will always compliment Sidney Crosby because I wish I still lived in that parallel universe with a Rangers lottery ball or even hell 32 different teams had a lottery ball that could have gone off with Sidney Crosby. Could you imagine if Sidney Crosby went to the Detroit Red Wings in there? <laughs> yeah. If Crosby went to those Detroit Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings would have won like four straight Stanley Cups. Yeah. Datsu, and- Zetterberg, Crosby, Lindstrom, that team, they wouldn't have signed Marion Hosa. That's for sure. All right. Well, Phil, let me tell let me tell you this. First, let me ask you this question and also let you know the wording on this one you're not gonna have any problems with. But do you know what team is the second most wins in the NHL? Vegas Golden Knights. The Winnipeg Jets with 29, second most in the league. By the way, just to let you know, Vegas Golden Knights 28. So the Winnipeg Jets, who are currently tied for the Central Division uh, lead, will win the Central Division. You know what? I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say shot. I think Dallas is gonna win it, and Dallas has been without Rupa Hints. They're gonna get him back. I know Winnipeg could also make a big move at the uh, the deadline. Uh, so could Dallas. But Dallas, I, I just think that they're a better team. I know Connor Hellebuck has historically been a better goaltender than Jake Ottinger, but Jake Ottinger is the better one of the two right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Jake Ottinger is going to get some serious dozen of votes. I, I just think that Dallas 
is really, really, really playing well. And there's Jamie Ben has come back from the dead. Tyler Sagan <laughs> looks like he's not the same player he was a few years back, but I mean, he's still a respectable player. Joe Pavelski does not age for whatever reason. And then mm-hmm. obviously we talked about Ruben Hans, but then there's obviously Jason Robertson who would be up in anybody's top three in uh, heart trophy voting right now. So, yeah, matter of fact, I thought about giving it to him because he's the one that his team is firmly he in off quite a bit, but he's still having a tremendous season. So, yeah, and Phil, I gotta tell you, I thought I was gonna be a hard grader, and then you pulled that rug under me because I'm saying shot too. I just, I just don't have the gut reaction that they're gonna win the central. They're still gonna be up there, they're gonna be a real good team. They might finish second in the division, I, and, and, and a matter of fact, if they finish second in the central. Then it puts the screws on a team that's certain Stanley Cup champion that's outside looking in right now, who are right now, uh, let's see, the Avs are, uh, I think they're two points. They're, yeah, they're, the Avs right now are three points out of a playoff spot that do have three games in hand on the Calgary Flames and um, four games in hand on the Edmonton Oilers. But, I mean, that's you start tightening that up a little bit more, it's going to make it harder and – you know, then the Winnipeg Jets, then they end up getting uh, – who's who's in the second team? Oh, then they end up getting probably Minnesota. And that would be a favorable matchup for them, I would say. Yeah. So, that, I just – I just I'm a firm believer in Dallas right now. I just – I love the way Dallas is playing. And we had him in there. And it's not to say anything bad about – bad about the Jets, everybody. It's just saying we happen to really think this team, the Dallas – Yeah, I, I mean, Winnipeg is – listen, Kyle Connor – started off the season really bad and now he's got 54 points in 45 games like he just came out of nowhere to get to the near the top of the scoring race i mean he's not going to catch mcdavid obviously but um connor's having a, a hell of a year pierre luke dubois is over a point per game with 49 or 45 josh morrissey has 49 points in 45 games and he he's a norris trophy favorite Mark Shifley isn't even having that great of a year right now, 39 points in 45 games, but he has 26 goals. Winnipeg is three 20 goal scorers already. And three. the funny thing about that, Phil, is you looked at the Mark Shifley stuff that happened last year, Blake Wheeler getting uh, removed the C from, and this is the result. <laughs> They've gotten better, not worse. And yeah. Cole, Perfetti, Cole Perfetti has had a great season for them too. So, you know, yeah, he's already got 20 points um, as a rookie. He's got 26 points in 40 games. He's on pace for over 50 points. So, uh, yeah, he was one of Anthony's runners up for the Calder Trophy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think my Calder guy is going to be make it anywhere near there. I think my guy was Mason McTav- McTavish and just nothing. Yeah, uh, he he started off real nice and just he's kind of cooled off a bit. So, well, let's uh, let's go to that division, Philk. Because in the Pacific, here are the standings right there. And two weeks ago, we were talking about whether or not the LA Kings would challenge uh, for the Pacific Division title. And I dismissed them. That's why I'm an idiot. Because the LA Kings, since December 15th, the most wins in the NHL with 10. um, uh, They got two losses and one tie. Filk. I'll start this off, but the LA Kings will take the lead in the Pacific before the all-star break. 
and I'm still going to go beer. Uh, I, I, I like the Kings better than I did about a month ago, but I'm not uh, sold on them yet. Consistency is the number one problem. They're the only playoff team in um, they're in a playoff position with a negative goal differential. And I understand that means you've had some blowout losses. Maybe you've had some narrow wins. And that's just, that's just, it's a stat that usually you point to teams that have positive goal differentials. They make the playoffs negative ones don't. And uh, it's funny because by the way, I mentioned this, you know, the only uh, the, the team with the highest negative goal uh, the positive goal differential. I mean, that is out of playoff positioning. It's the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> they got a plus 13. The Islanders have a plus 12. So how about that? Um, but I'll turn it over to you. What do you think? No, I'm going to say shot here. Right. I, I don't one. I don't trust their goaltending. Jonathan Quick, he looks like he's cooked. He has like a good game here or there, but he he looks overall he looks cooked. And Phoenix Copley, Copley, whatever you want, however you pronounce it. I, I think I, it is Copley actually. I, I believe that it's good. It is Copley, but he's just not that good he is not a number one guy his numbers are not great um i do not trust that goaltending i i, I really wonder about la's secondary scoring he, uh, kevin fiala is having a hell of a year hell of oh, a yeah. year and, and you know everybody who thought that last year was a fluke and you know his point per game season in minnesota was 85 point year i think it was was a fluke nope he's a point per game right now 40 47 and 46 games and, and then it, there's a big drop-off after that. Anze Kopitar with 35 points. Philip Deneau with 33, which is actually really good, considering that Philip Deneau is really more of a shutdown center. And he's mm-hmm. on for a career high in points. Then you have Victor Arvidsson, who hasn't been the same since he's left Nashville. Gabriel Velarde looks like he's breaking out with 31 points in 45 games. And then Adrian Kempe, after his big 30-goal year last year, now isn't playing so well this year. Drew Doughty, 27 points in 45 games. Not bad. Could end up with 50 points. But I, I, I just I don't like the makeup of this team in terms of um you know being a division winner. I think they'll make the playoffs just because they they play well and, mm-hmm. and they're they're coached well. And I, I just I, I don't I, I like McLellan, but he's just not the guy to me that, you know will get it done in terms of winning the division, especially with, you know, some of the teams in that division in Vegas. I just think they're too good of a team. I think they, they have too much firepower. And I think if they go make a deadline move, I, I, I think that could put them over the top and just vault them into like legitimate cup threat, you know, status. So. Yeah. And also putting the parameter of the all-star break, you have three weeks for them to take the lead. Don't I forget don't- Seattle is going to try to take the lead too. Uh, Vegas can easily just go on, go right on a run again. They got all their guys. Although Mark Stone is dealing with a back injury right now, which is not a good thing. Yeah, that's the only thing that could work against Vegas and work in LA's favor. But again, and, and another team that I don't trust the goaltending in in Seattle, but they continue to win despite having bad goaltending as well. And they're a younger, hungrier, and faster skating team, if you ask me, than LA. So yeah. Now, Phil, one last one. There was footage of Peter Laviolette crushing a Bud Light on the bench. So it's cool that Peter Laviolette, I I screwed up the name the second time. Peter Laviolette, oh no, I did say it right, 
was drinking a Bud Light on the bench. I have no problem with it. I know some people are going to say, oh, well, that's unprofessional. But, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, unless he's unless he's got, like, some sort of substance abuse issue, mm-hmm. um, I don't see a problem with it at all. All right, so it's a round? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna buy around on this, and not and I'm not trying to openly promote drinking on the job or anything like that. But uh, I I just I, I you know what? Here's my thing. Everybody talks about how the NHL is the no personality league. Yes. And now we have a coach that's showing some personality by you know having a beer on on the bench during a game. I, I to me. Let these guys have some personality. Let these guys have some sort of personality, you know? And Yeah, I, I got to say, I'm the one that's going to say beer on this one, not not buying around. Because even as a person that does um, drink a little on the job since I'm a bartender, and my New Year's <laughs> resolution was to cut out shots at work, it's been <laughs> moderate. Um, but it's just, it is kind of like, you're on the job, you can wait two hours to have a drink. Now, I don't have a tremendous problem with it, but then I thought you're also the face of a franchise when you're the coach. Maybe kind of pull that one back a little bit. You can wait until like 7 o'clock or, sorry, 9.30. And there's a, if you watch the first 24-7 of the Winter Classic of the Penguins versus the Capitals uh, – uh, that all all the all the coaches were having a having a drink as soon as like the game was over and uh, all the refs too. I think even Tim Peel was 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 crushing down a beer, which he probably uh, oh, we all do. Yeah, because well, that's what we do. We're hockey players. Once the game's mean, over, even in, even in beer league, that's exactly what everybody does. You you get yeah. you get done with the game. The refs sometimes, if the refs are cool with the players and the teams, they'll even show with the teams in the parking lots and have beers with them. But I mean, this is a once in a while thing. That's I think that's one reason why, and and I would I would go off on him if it was like something he's did. Yeah, yeah if it was game. an everyday thing, yeah, okay, then I, well, I get it at that point. You know, like that might that might be a little concerning. But and and you know what? Sure, I'll 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 highlight this from John. Should be held to a higher standard. Okay, fine. But you know what? I don't have a problem with one beer. In, in one yeah. game. Because By the way, speaking, speaking of which, John and I and uh, John from All Things Islanders, we're going to be going to the Buffalo game tomorrow night versus the New York Islanders. So that'll be, a, that'll be a hell of a time. And But, yeah, it's a once-in-a-while thing. It's fine. That, that's okay. It's, you know, that's it. And especially for us. Once in a blue moon. I'm not opposed to somebody having a beer. Just, you know. And you know what, Felk? You could easily first off, the NHL should do one thing out of this and spin it into a commercial right away, sort of like uh, when a Derek Jeter was going out all the time and Steinbrenner uh, ripped him in the paper, and then they did a Visa commercial like a week later. So, I mean, why not turn it into a marketing ploy? Yeah, that'll all work. All right, so that was the end of the Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we're doing our. Uh, our reactions on topics based upon drinks, you know, hope you guys were playing along a little bit in the comments. I mean, Phil was watching all that, but now it's, uh, it's time for some NHL news and notes. 
And Phil, the biggest news I think that came out of the week, obviously, other than now the Provorov thing, I mean, the Robin Leonard story is an absolute just like, what do you make of this? Like Sad. millions of dollars yeah. in rare snakes. And he's, uh, isn't he suing his wife or something like that? It's, uh, I, I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't do a lot of research into it, but I, I heard about it, and it, it's sad to see, you know, someone like that in that type of situation. But you know, when you when you don't manage your money properly, that's kind of what happens. And I, I feel bad for him. I really do. I, I, I hope that he gets everything on track. Hope he gets back to playing. Um. I hope everything gets figured out for him because he just—he's been a good guy. He's been a real yeah. good guy. He's been a, re- a real good story. It's just that sometimes you—you know—these things happen and you get into a rut, and you know sometimes it feels just like everything's coming down around you. And hopefully he gets everything figured out, and you know he gets back to playing and playing well. Oh, it's it's Robin Leonard and his wife were, yeah. were filed for bankruptcy and they're being sued for failure to repay a business loan. But I mean, he's citing up to $50 million in, in debt uh, noted the business related stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. There's like a rare snakes collection in there, but again, like, you know what the, the nearest story I could think about with this, and I'm not going to go to Evander Kane. That's a different story as well. But I mean, Jack Johnson, that was another story where he, that was a little different though. His parents basically robbed them of money. Yeah, money from like you always got to be in charge of your finances. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure that you're paying a close eye to them. And uh, listen, I get it. Like you would you would expect your parents to be like the people that look out for you the most, but sometimes sometimes people get you know greedy and corrupted by the thought of money, the color of green. You know, it's just it's heartbreaking. That's what it really is. It is, and you know, again, I I, I hope that. Leonard gets everything figured out and he ends up uh, ends up getting back on his feet. I really do. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, he's already had to do this once in his career. That's what the hard part is. Phil. I mean, God, first he had to deal with substance abuse and then now this. It's yeah. just, just one thing yeah. after another. Just how much, how much is there? By the way, we got 11 likes right now. Make sure everybody, I forgot to say this earlier, make sure you appease the YouTube gods and uh, like, share, and subscribe, and also smash that like. There's that Hulk hand that's right there. We're going to take some of your questions because I'm going to be heading out in a little bit. So Yeah, I'm going to be heading out really soon too, so we'll do like a few minutes of... uh, Yeah, we'll do a couple minutes of Q&A. I I saw people earlier on in the chat talking about um, trade options for the Rangers. The big name that's come out in in the last couple of days, uh, Frank Zaravalli said that the Rangers are one of the front runners right now for Timo Meyer. Um, I wonder how they get that done because he's actually a restricted free agent at the end of the year. That's one. Yeah, with a qualifying offer of uh, $10 million. That's two. Yeah, so he that's going to be a real hard sell for me. And I, I, I don't know how they would get this done. 
I, I really wonder if they would send Alexi Lafreniere back in return for Timo Meyer at this point. Um, it kind of makes no. sense. I, I wouldn't personally, but I can see the organization looking at it this way and saying, hey, it makes a ton of sense. This guy's having trouble here. Something is not right. We're hoping that the Alexi Lafreniere situation with him just not developing is not, um, you know, another JT Miller situation where he needed to be traded twice to finally get serious about doing his offseason workouts yeah. and everything to really get his career going. Because if that's the case and he needs to get dealt out of New York, then then a trade for Meyer makes a ton of sense because Meyer is a big, strong, talented winger with some speed that can really open up space on a line for someone like Artemi Panarin. If they do that, the one good thing about them actually dealing for Meyer, let's say we do th that. Uh, I'm sorry that I said the, the, the W E word, but let's say the New York Rangers trade for Timo Meyer. The one silver lining out of it is that you could have, yeah, the money is a big issue. You could probably have yeah, and a little bit of money back, prospects. but the Rangers then can turn around and trade him at the end of the year. Cause here's the thing, like every New York Ranger that's making money has got a no trade clause. So, you yeah. can't. The guy that ends up being the odd man out if they're forced to trade him is, is Ryan Lingren. And what would you rather have, Ryan Lingren at four million dollars or Jacob Truba at eight? It's like you, you kind of wish this is twenty twenty four. It's very easy. Yeah, or you wish that Jeff Gordon never gave him a no movement clause or eight million per year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. But you know, thanks, thanks, Jeff. It was it was awesome. Uh, all for all for a guy that was the number one power play quarterback and number one uh, defenseman for a total of a month. So it's, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not a true hater, but still it's just, it's just there. So I, because I'm just glad that Patrick Kane's almost completely out off the market on it. Um, don't have to worry about hearing about him. No, just, I mean, they said that, you know, Kane could still be a possibility. But, uh, I mean, yeah, the rumors have kind of died down a little bit with Kane. I wonder if they'll be revisited at the deadline. Um, the word supposedly with Kane is that he may not want to be a rental. He may want to go to a team that will re-sign him to an extension or that will mm -hmm. get a new extension and, you know, go from there. But I, I, I don't think the Rangers would be that team unless they found a, a real sweetheart of a deal going forward with Kane. So, yeah, that's that's just not happening. And Patrick Kane would be great for the Rangers uh, as far as like marketability and personality, but he's really not flourishing as as much this season. I think he's got what is he up to six goals? So, yeah, I I, I mean, there was another name that was at the top of a lot of fans' wish lists, and I I actually brought this suggestion up recently is Andre Kuzmenko in Vancouver. 26-year-old yeah. uh, unrestricted free agent to be, you know, I, I think Kuzmenko would actually fit the um, the Rangers a bit better than Bo Horvat would. So um, I, I, I like Kuzmenko. I think he's legitimate. Um, I, I also believe that it would be a lot easier to sign him to a, a deal going forward. So I, I think that he would be an ideal target. But Jim Rutherford in yesterday's press conference – came out and said that um, 
they they are starting to work on talks for an extension for Kuzmenko. So he also said the that... Canucks need to have major surgery. What's up? He also said the Canucks need to have major surgery. Yeah. And him and... coming out and saying, by the way, how do you feel if you're the GM right there? Because Rutherford's saying they were in talks of the extension. I mean, that that that's not news coming from the GM. I'll be right back. Yeah, so I, I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know how I would feel about uh, giving because uh, Mako itself uh, giving that a run because Vancouver they wanted a, they wanted a king's ransom for JT Miller. Um, so I, I don't know if you know you want to go trying to bark up that tree again to try to get somebody different, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't like it. I, I don't really uh, I don't really like the idea of trying to go after somebody that they're trying to you know lock down because then it's gonna take a real real King's ransom of an offer to get someone like Kuzmiko. And although I do like I said, I think he fits perfectly. I, I just wonder at this point what Vancouver is going to want for a res, uh, for an unrestricted free agent to be. And to me, you don't want to give up a ton for a player like that. Well, I'm going to come back, by the way, to this comment from Dave, because I have to ask you a question about this, Philk. But also, he's saying you could try to convince Meyer to take less than a, than a year uh, and trade all, uh, Truba next season, re-sign Meyer long-term, but that's not going to happen. He's got a 10-year, he's got a $10 million um, offer uh, qualifying offer, yeah. so it's got to be something around there. Now, by the way, Philk, if you have to like go to let's say Boston or Buffalo in this case, do you drive up there or because I'm taking a plane? Um, I've done the drive up to Boston funny enough, um, during the week. Um, <laughs> we went to a Rangers Bruins game in Boston in January, in the, like the dead of January 2015, during the the president's trophy winning season. And we, we left at about, I want to say 11 o'clock, 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, got up there probably about like, I would say two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And then we left, they were down three, nothing Boston had just scored. They were, they ended up getting shut out three, nothing. Um, but we drove back. We left during the, towards like the beginning of the third period and we drove home down 95 in a friggin' blizzard. And yeah, that, that was fun. We didn't get home until about like, say, two o'clock in the morning, two thirty in the morning, I think. And we left like around nine ish. Yeah, that's if if it's a long car ride, if it's over like two and a half hours, like if you're telling me I could just fly for one and have a drink sitting in a chair in the sky, I'd rather do that. So. I don't blame you one bit. I, I mean, I really don't. But I, I mean, if it depends on you know, plane and everything like that, and you know, the extra money, sometimes people might take the uh, cheaper way. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more fun when you're 22. When you're when you're 44, you're just like, all right, just get me there and get me the hell back. Especially when I'm working Friday night. So I I'm gonna need plenty of rest on that one. All right. Uh, no, no, Sean, that wasn't Justin. That was, uh, Delaney. See, it, it can happen. It can happen to me too, especially when I don't lock my door that, uh, my roommates, uh, kid will come walking in. 
Well, Phil, we're gonna we're gonna cut it off right there because I gotta go uh, get it uploaded for the audio podcast and also meet up with some friends um, that are in that we're actually going to the game uh, for tomorrow morning. Taking the flight up. Uh, what do you think about tomorrow night? You think the Rangers are gonna pull off that win against the Bruins? It's like I don't want to put bad energy out there. I, I, I feel like they're going to probably lose the game by like a goal. Maybe I'll say like a 3-2 loss. Um, but, I, I mean, it, I wouldn't be shocked if they won. I, I would love it, but I, and I wouldn't be shocked. So, By the way, I'm going to talk to uh, my cousin's uh, my family and see whether or not we can find a, the link to download our goodbye song. I love this song, Bye Bye, by my cousin Phil Antonucci. To tell you guys where to download that. Because uh, it's a great legacy that the man is still leaving 10 years after he's left. And again, Phil, when you have family that they leave a good legacy, you can see it. Uh, like you you mentioned the other day that you just went through a recent passing. That's just it. They're, they leave their legacy in us. Like my middle name is Phil for a reason. It's it was I was named a little bit after Phil, and you know what? That's a great part about life. We are an amalgamation of all the people that have come before us. So especially friends, family, everybody, as long as they're living right here, it's all that matters. Uh, so, and, uh, what do you got going on now? You doing some watching some wrestling? Yeah, AEW will be on in uh, about fifteen minutes. So yeah, I'll be watching that. All right, great. Well, Phil, enjoy it. Everybody, thank you very much for another week. Next week, we will be back to the tripod with Anthony LaRocco being with us. And, or sorry, the Triforce. Uh, it's better to do the Triforce. The Triforce, I think, it's better. Yeah, I know. No, yeah, that doesn't work. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. And, you know, let's go, Rangers. And I, I will say this tomorrow night. Go, well, let's go, Buffalo. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, don't, don't worry. There's gonna be, we're bringing plenty of Islander fans that are gonna be there because I know a couple friends of mine are gonna be there too. So, everybody, thank you very much. Have a great night. Take care, everybody. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>